Amen. Yes, before we hear what will be a very powerful testimony, it's good just to step back and think a little bit of the bigger picture, if you like, to remind ourselves, perhaps, of some of the spiritual realities that lay behind persecution, the persecution of Christ's people. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, After two of the apostles, Peter and John, have had their first taste of persecution, they gather the disciples together to pray. You may know that passage well in Acts chapter 4. And as they begin their prayer meeting, they begin by reflecting not on their own suffering, even though that's what's brought this prayer meeting into beginning, but they reflect first on the suffering of Christ. And they do so by quoting Psalm 2. Sorry, I should have moved her. There's Helen, in case you haven't seen her in the front. Uh, Psalm 2. The, the apostles begin this prayer meeting by quoting from Psalm 2. And I want to just suggest fairly briefly this morning that this psalm reminds us of four things. Four things that we need to take note of as we think about persecution, as we hear a testimony, as we consider our own response uh, to the realities of persecution. And the first thing is this, that our world is in a state of rebellion. We need to remind ourselves of that, particularly we in the West. Because when we hear stories of Christians suffering, being imprisoned, being beaten or whatever for their faith, it can be perplexing, can't it, at times? It can be upsetting, it can be distressing, it can be discouraging even. Especially for those of us who live in a culture where Christianity has been accepted as as part of the furniture for centuries. And it's good to be reminded of the true spiritual nature of mankind. Because that's the spiritual reason that undergirds, if you like, persecution. So we heard in the psalm, the psalmist says, why do the nations rage? It's almost as if he is saying, who do they think they're fighting against? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed or his Messiah, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Notice that in in the mind of, of those who are of the world, God's ways are not the ways of life. They're not the ways of joy. They're not the ways of peace, as you and I might say. But in the eyes of the world, God's ways are like repressive chains that they want to break free from. We don't want God telling us what's right and wrong and how to live. And notice that what they're raging against is not just some vague idea that there is a God. Lots of people in our world are religious in all sorts of different ways. What they are raging against is against the one true God who has revealed himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. They rage against the Lord and against his anointed or his Messiah. And it's that rebellion at the very heart of man that creates hostility that in many places and in many contexts and in many cultures will lead to persecution. It is a rebellion that goes right back to the garden, doesn't it? And when the apostles quoted these verses from the beginning of Psalm 2 at that prayer meeting, it was because they realised that their suffering that they had just experienced could be traced back to the world's hatred of Jesus Christ. The world is in a state of rebellion. But secondly, this psalm reminds us, praise the Lord, that God is still in control. 
I hope you believe that. But it's good to remind ourselves of it, isn't it? Because again, it's so important. We can, we can look at the world around us, and if we're honest, there are times when it doesn't seem as though God is in control, doesn't it? When we see evil appearing to flourish. And particularly when we hear about persecution, when we hear of Christians suffering, when we hear of Christians being imprisoned, when we hear of Christians being beaten, when we hear of church buildings being destroyed, we might question whether God is in control. Somebody once said that the persecution of Christians looks like Christianity losing. And it's good to be reminded that God is sovereign, that he is still in control. And so in the next verse in the psalm, Psalm 4, we read, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them, that's his enemies, in derision. Now that's an interesting little phrase because you won't find very often in the Bible a reference to God laughing. Actually, it only occurs a handful of times in the Old Testament. And when it does, it's not because God has heard a good joke. The picture of God laughing is used to, if you like, to depict his response to his enemies. Now, it's not that God treats sin lightly. It's not that God doesn't care about the suffering of his people. But this image of God laughing, of God holding them in derision, is a way, is a biblical way, if you like, of expressing the fact that God, as we might say today, God is not phased by opposition. God is not bewildered. God is never taken aback. God is not thrown into panic. God is not thrown into confusion because he is sovereign. He is in control. Rather, we read in the next verse, then he will speak to them, his enemies, in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on my holy hill. Although the world is in a state of rebellion, God is still in control. And thirdly, the psalm reminds us that Christ will have the supremacy. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's at this point in the psalm that the Messiah himself speaks. Verse 7. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now you all know that verse because it's quoted so many times in the New Testament. It's it's a great favourite among New Testament writers In terms of Old Testament verses, Psalm 2, verse 7, the apostles see that as fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the anointed one, the Messiah, who now speaks, he declares who he is. He's God's son. He declares his destiny. He says, the Lord said to me, I will make the ends of the earth your possession. And he also declares his authority. The Lord says to him, you shall break Or the word can mean rule. You shall break them or rule them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now that's a picture of judgment, isn't it? One day, we know, don't we, one day every knee will bow. Whether willingly or unwillingly, in acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord. The final chapters of the Bible remind us that there will be no place in the new heavens and the new earth for those who reject Christ. But that on that day, the Lord will wipe away every tear from the eyes of his people, including those who suffer for him. The world is in a state of rebellion. 
but God is still in control and Christ will one day have the supremacy. And so finally, this psalm reminds us that in the meantime, as we wait for that day, the gospel must be proclaimed. The psalm ends with an appeal. Verse 10, now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Notice uh, verse 10 addresses the very people who are mentioned at the beginning of the psalm. The kind of people who are expressing active rebellion against the Lord. The kind of people who are demonstrating their hatred of Christ. The kind of people who persecute Christ's followers. Be wise, be warned, serve the Lord, kiss the Son. That's the challenge, isn't it, of the gospel? Albeit couched in Old Covenant language, you and I would put the gospel to somebody in slightly different terms, but it's in the psalmist's own language. It is the challenge to come to the one who is anointed of the Lord. And we are to respond to the world's hatred with the love of God in Christ. And that means proclaiming the gospel. As the psalm ends, blessed are all who take refuge in him. You, we, we serve and some of us suffer for the one who will possess the very ends of the earth. Ultimately, there is no refuge from him. There is only refuge in him. Amen.